You are tuned into the Fox Rugby Podcast, but just before kickoff, I'd love to alert you all about a brand new product on the Fox Sports Podcast Network, The Splash, hosted by myself, Phil Pryor. It's a short, sharp Monday to Friday production, looking at the Fox Sports website's major headlines, stories, and part of the process too. Please search and subscribe. That's The Splash on iTunes and also Spotify now. Thanks for your attention. Now time for the show. Welcome to another edition of the Fox Rugby Podcast. I'm Sam Worthington from foxsports.com.au and I'm joined today by Christy Doran, esteemed rugby writer and uh, a very good cook. I'm sitting here in the in the podcast room um, with the, the wafting smells of his bolognese, a couple of days uh, old now, just to, to permeate those flavours and it's smelling beautiful, Christy. Yeah, I'm feeling really good, mate. Uh, a couple of drinks last night and uh, the past is really settling my belly quite well. It's making me very, very hungry, but uh, the listeners probably don't care too much about that uh, with all due respect to your cooking, so we'll we'll rip into the rugby, and we've got the Wallabies team hot off the press uh, to play the Springboks, uh, Sunday morning, 1.05am, lovely time slot in Bloemfontein. And Great city. Well, I've never never been, but we've heard good things, haven't we? Yeah, particularly from Wellesley. <laughs> we'll have to do the trip one day. <laughs> Please. Um, but interesting team. Uh, three changes to the the starting lineup, and a couple that uh, you were sort of pushing for, um, and and I, I quite like it. So, mate, r- run us through those changes. Yeah, so three changes. Uh, a couple in the forward pack, one in the back line. I think uh, good decisions. Um, we've got. Jack Dempsey coming in to, to make his starting debut after a couple of runs off the bench where he's provided some good impact and uh, some steel with his ball carrying. He comes in at six in front of Ned Hannigan who uh, drops back onto a extended bench for the time being and that uh, there's a few of them on there, and, and Michael Check will have to decide as to whether or not basically he's going to you know select uh, Luke and Tui or, or Ned Hannigan in that you know blindside cover position. Uh, Isaac Rodder comes in. Uh, just to start alongside Adam Coleman in, in in the second row, so great opportunity for 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 the young man from the Queensland Reds, who's been uh, had a had a, a quite a you know rapid rise and ascension to to the Wallabies and, and now starting. So a great achievement for him. And the, and the other one, Marika Korobiti on the on the wing comes in in front of Henry Spate after making his debut in Canberra two weeks ago. I think that's, uh, out of all the selections, perhaps uh, the most intriguing. This is a bloke who came over from the Melbourne Storm last year. He's now been with the group for about a year, and uh, his run on debut. Someone who can't kick the ball, but uh, he's got a lot of pace to burn and a little bit of X factor and finishing ability. So I'm intrigued by that one, but it's all going to come down to the set piece. So for that reason, Isaac Rodder is, is probably the biggest selection. Yeah, I think Kick has gone for just a bit of mongrel, hasn't he? Uh, Rodder seems to have that in his game uh, alongside Coleman, who, who will lead that effort. And then Dempsey as well. Maybe just slightly more you know, physically mature and slightly stronger at this, this stage than Hannigan. They're both young guys, but uh, he, he may just handle those physical exchanges slightly better than Hannigan, who's, who's had a, a 
Chick has admitted it himself. Uh, uh, he's asked a lot of them in his first season, hasn't he, that this is a guy that wasn't even a starter for the Waratahs at, at the start of the year, and he's found himself as a, a regular on the blind side, and that's the... I guess the toughest uh, physical position, arguably, in the game. You've got, you know, you're going up against the the hitmen of the game, the, the Jerome Kano uh, types, just just you know, very mature um, physical men. So, look, I, I think he's he's done. He's he's done pretty well considering it was a harsh um, you know baptism of fire to, to throw him into, but I think he's definitely overdue for for a break, isn't he? Yeah, certainly. Look, we've seen you know throughout June when he made his debut, he had three Test matches there against what, Fiji, Scotland, Italy. He played pretty well. I thought he was in probably the, certainly the top five Australian most consistent performers throughout those three Test matches. But since then, we've just seen that you know he's lacked a little bit of punch. He hasn't been able to be as effective at the breakdown where he's been pushed off it a little bit. Uh, it's all well and good to, to get there and, and people talk about his work rate because he does, you know, he's often there, he's making his tackles, he's doing those things, but he's not really packing a punch at all. So yep. I think you're right, Jack Dempsey's a, a good move. They're, they're quite similar players, these two. Uh, whether or not Jack Dempsey actually really deserves a shot is another one. Oh, like hasn't played a lot of footy, has he? Hasn't but, played yeah. a lot throughout 2017. You know, injuries have, have taken a, or been the, the main reason there. Um, but, you know, Michael Checker sees that these young guys coming through are, are going to be part of this Wallaby setup for a long time. And I suppose now everything is gearing towards 2019, Japan, World Cup, uh, and and the likes of Isaac Roller, Jack Dempsey, Ned Hannigan, these sorts of players, he's blooding them, giving them as much exposure as possible. But at the same time, he's not wanting to compromise results. Um, the Wallabies desperately need a win. Yeah. Uh, there's no un- unquestionable. Yeah, and uh, we'll touch on Corabidi as well. Um, yeah, I like the selection. It's we know what he can do. Is it um, a gamble? Uh, yeah, a minor one, but I don't think it's a huge gamble. I mean, he's a pretty accomplished footballer. He's played in huge games in, in rugby league. I know it's different, but he's had a good apprenticeship in rugby now. And yeah, I think he'll handle himself just fine. Um, it's a bit hard to get a read on his rugby form, isn't it? Because he was playing in a pretty abysmal Rebels team that they just didn't get a lot of good ball to work with. So he must have been very frustrated. He's gone from, you know, being on being on the end of that rock star Melbourne Storm team and, and just having tries laid on a platter for him to, to fumbling around with the, the Storm. But I think he actually acquitted himself uh, with the Rebels I think he actually acquitted himself uh, pretty well in, in Super Rugby on, on a team that was losing basically every week. So um, on a nice, hard, dry track, I think he's going to relish those conditions. No doubt the, the Springboks will try and expose him a, a bit with the kicking game, but um, and that, that, that'll put the onus on Israel Folau at the back to, to try and help him out with his communication, which probably isn't one of his, his strong points, but you'll see Kirtley Beal um, back in, the, in that backfield at times as well to, to help out. So, yeah, I, I just hope he gets uh, gets his hands on the, on the ball and can cut loose a bit. Yeah, with how the Wallabies have been shaping up, we've got well, Kirtley and Israel playing as, t- as two full-backs. Uh, it, it makes you, you know, Michael Checker wants these guys, he wants the Falaos, he wants the Corobides to ru- uh, run the ball, not kick it. But in this particular instance, how much are we actually going to see of Marika get his hands on the ball? Because they're going to have Kirtley and Israel at the back. I, I dare say it's probably really only when they're, you know, an attacking move that he might get his hands on it. But So hopefully he doesn't get lost, because that's the, one of the fears, I think, if you don't have Corobidi at the back or helping out Israel Falao, we don't get to see as much as that, that running game that, yeah. uh, that, that you know, characterises him. Yeah, you've got to be busy, don't you? The the modern winger, you've got to be involved in you know 
multi-facets of the game and, and, and have a high work rate and do stuff at the breakdown. Um, he's actually shown he can, can cope at the breakdown okay um, from, from time to time. So uh, I'd be surprised if I, I think Bernie Larkham and, and the guys, they will have devised um, probably some set-piece mo- set moves to inject Corabidi as well because he's got you know obviously blinding pace. Um, so they'd be mad not to, to mm. try and utilise that from a, from a set-piece play, which, which uh, Larkham's been quite accomplished at. So yeah. It, it's exciting, I think. Yeah, it is. So hopefully, like speaking of those guys that you you know that 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 are busy, that are often looking for the ball, and and one bloke comes to mind straight away, Ricky Yuani, of how much he's doing that and to such great effect. So, as as we said before, let's let's see him get stuck in. Yeah, and Marika's got a chance now to potentially nail the spot for the rest of the season because, of course, uh, poor old Sefa Novalu. Um, dislocated the shoulder at the weekend and has, has come back from another injury in the NRC and he's a player that we both uh, really like. He, he's done very well I think in his limited Wallabies uh, appearances so he's done for the season now. Unfortunately he joins Dane Hallett Petty on the sidelines for the rest of the season so the wing stocks um, have thinned out and it's an opportunity for someone to really nail their, their claims. Reese Hodge has been good um, playing there the last couple of tests uh, but Henry Spate just—he didn't play badly, did he? But he was just didn't didn't really do anything special to say, you know, keep keep on picking me. So no. big opportunity now with Izzy Parisi also waiting in the wings, who apparently has been been training very very well. So I don't think he's too far away either. Yeah, really good player, and he's someone like he's what twenty twenty one. And he, he's got that energy and work rate that we that we talked about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, we saw Naivalu cross, cross for a try late in that uh, Sunday fixture against the the Rams, where he just burnt. The outside centre and and uh, set up the match winning try it was so huge blow losing Nivale he's a great player yeah cool well, it sounds like we're both you know pretty happy with the the Wallabies team that's been picked and the Springboks we haven't seen their their team sheet just yet I think it'll be out pretty shortly but uh, one move that has been confirmed by the South African media is Dylan Lades the the player from the Stormers the fullback slash winger from the Stormers he apparently is going to make his test debut in place of poor old Raymond Rule who had an absolutely horror game um, against the All Blacks a couple of weeks ago missed nine tackles the poor bloke he was getting run over by Liam Squire from kickoffs and uh, yeah look it was hard not to, to feel a bit of sympathy for him so he's been dropped out of the squad and, and Dylan Lades comes in. He, he's, I guess, uh, most famous for that amazing flick pass yeah, that he, that he uh, pulled off in Super Rugby against the Chiefs um, for you know probably the the standout highlight of the the entire season. So um, he's quite a small guy. Um, so I think the the Wallabies will probably target him in defence as well. But he's an exciting customer, isn't he? A lot of pace, a lot of energy, great footwork. Uh, if you haven't seen that try, do check it out. It'll certainly be on YouTube and. Um, yeah, look, I think Francois Lowe as well, after being recalled to the squad, uh, the, the Bath open side flanker, he's a he's a quality player yep. and he's uh, played 50-odd tests. So he will likely come back into that Springbok side, I, I would imagine, and um, adds a lot of experience. He's had some great tussles. And what we saw in Perth a couple of weeks ago was the well, three, three weeks ago, the Wallabies really struggled at the breakdown with the clean-out. So uh, having Lowe come back into that Springbok side makes, you know... The proposition of even more difficult. Uh, Michael Hooper is going to have a, a huge job, but it's certainly just not not not, not just him. Sean McMahon, the likes of Jack Dempsey, you know the, the hookers. It's a team effort. They've all got to be uh, you know hard on the ball, but choosing their moments. Um, you know, quite cleverly, I think. Yeah, no, exactly right. As you said, uh, the Springboks outplayed the Wallabies at the breakdown already, and that was before 
Francois Lowe um, came back into the fold, and that, that he's a he's an out and out breakdown specialist, you know, in, the, in that David Pocock mould. So, um, yeah, they're going to be very tough in that area, and, and I think that is going to hold the key. The Wallabies just don't have they don't have that specialist at the breakdown. So, as you say, it's got to be across the board. Guys have got to be super accurate. I'm sure they've been working on it, um, but it's been an area of concern for a long time now, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and we we often speak about it, but it's a, it's a huge part of the game, and uh, the Wallabies are got to be much. Yeah, no, you, you saw the benefit a month ago in Dunedin when Will Genia got quick ball. Uh, his running game was was the best we've seen since 2011. So that's the upside from having a good, quick clean out. Yeah, yeah exactly right. There's the defensive and and the attacking, of course, uh, breakdown and. and you know, it's arguably uh, pe- more important, I think, when you in the offense. People always think, of, yeah. People always think about it as the you know the Pocock McCaw, the defensive steals. But it's um, the bigger issue, like you say, at the moment is the Wallabies actually securing their own ball and getting nice, quick, um, accurate ball for for their halfback. So yeah, h- huge uh, part of the game for sure. Indeed, uh, you, you look at this matchup, and and certainly uh, there's been a bit of talk that Andre Pollard comes in at, at ten as well for Felton Yanti, so. To me, he, he just—he reminds me a little bit of Quade Cooper, how he's just struggling with the, the you know, you don't get as much time or space uh, in, in test match rugby. You know, the yep. defences are always quicker. Um, and we've seen, yeah, he's not quite, you know, take that opportunity. He's had a lot of opportunities now as well. He's been there for a, a couple of years and hasn't quite um, nailed that spot. So Pollard, we, we, the former All Blacks coach, John Mitchell, said that he's, Probably not quite fit enough at this stage. Mm. Uh, questioned whether or not you know he should even really be in the squad. Um, so you know the, the, the matchup with the tens is going to be intriguing. There's going to be a lot of kicking on there at, at altitude as there always is. Yeah. But for me, it's the set piece. It's all about that. We saw the Wallabies get beaten at the scrum. Their line out was the worst we've all uh, all season uh, in Perth a month ago. So. Um, for for me, that's the biggest ma- matchup. Is it, do you see it the same way? Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't think the Wallabies need to dominate the set piece, but if they can at least get parity, and um and and if they can do the same at the breakdown, I I think they've got more firepower than the the box who were obviously shell shocked from that All Blacks defeat. Um, the Wallabies we've seen them attack, do some good stuff. Um, link quite nicely with Kurtley Beal. They're a different. Um, different threat, different level of threat with him combining with Foley and Falau. Um Now they've got Kurabiti to throw in there as well. They they a pretty classy backline, um, and I think Kuradrani's obviously shored up the defensive side of it as well. So yeah, as long as they can just get some sort of parity in, in the set piece and in the breakdown, I, I can actually see them winning this game. I know they've got a, a uh, terrible record, terrible record over there, especially on the the high vault. But they'll have. Um, some good vibes, some of those senior guys. Kirtley Beale, of course, his famous kick um, back in 2010 to, to win the game. He's going to be going in there with good vibes. And, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating just to see what sort of South African team we'll get. I'm, I'm sure they're going to come out uh, hurting and, and, and pretty passionate after after that uh, dusting two weeks ago. So, look, um, not not a lot in it, but I, I'm actually tipping the Wallabies to, to cause a bit of a, an upset. How, how do you see it playing it? Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, you know the Wallabies are scoring tries there, and and they're scoring long range tries as well. And, and there's a few reasons for that. One of it's I think we're, we're, you know they they tend to get better. So the continuity certainly you know the longer you play together, the the better they're shaping up. But they, they seem fitter than they did you know a few months ago as well. And those their those second half stats are really really good, aren't they? Quite um, quite stark. They're they're winning that second half um, consistently now. 
Yeah, yeah. So, look, uh, fingers crossed. We saw in 2010, you know, Kurtley Buell, I think, was nominated for, for World Rugby Player of the Year that year, and, and he went on to kick that goal, and that really set up their year in 2010. Uh, could this be, a, I think, a bit of a, a turning point for the Wallabies in the lead-up to the next World Cup? I, I think it probably can if they win this, because, you know, they've got an Argentina, they'll have their tails up, um, and, and then... Before you know it, you have a test match against the All Blacks in Brisbane where they should have some confidence after competing so hard in Dunedin. And then, you you know, you're on a spring tour. You're playing Japan before that. A win here, uh, it certainly takes a fair bit of that pressure off and it just allows you to start, you know, playing rugby rather than thinking of the result. Yeah, and as you've written about this week, uh, we've just ticked over the halfway point between the, the World Cup, so I'm sure Checker and the coaching staff are aware of that. It's, it's uh, I guess, a time to put a line, line in the sand and say, OK, the, the development sort of phase, um, that, that should be coming to, a, to an end now. Like He's blooded a whole lot of guys. He now knows the young playing group that he's got to work with. Now it's about those guys uh, making the step up to, to, to go into that world-class category that Adam Coleman has already gone into, and let's start seeing some actual results now. Yeah, I've got the stats guys upstairs to, to, to take a look at how many players the Wallabies have used since the World Cup final and compare it with some of the other teams. And, uh, you know, Ireland at the moment have capped 28 players since then, but that was virtually because they picked a, a second-string team for a couple of tests in June when, the, you know, the, the best, what, 10 or so were, were down with the Lions. So um, really they've probably only, you know, a lot of them have only got one or two caps. The England, 23 uh, caps players, uh, which is the same as the Wallabies, so it's the second most. Um, but, you know, you look at the difference, and England, once again, like Ireland, when they went to Argentina in June, had 10 guys make their debut um, against Argentina. Well, they still managed to win, so fair play to them. But uh, in- interestingly, with the 23 that Checker has is, is, is blooded, you know, seven of them already reached double figures. So these guys, are, and there's a number of them who have had eight, nine caps as well. So these guys are going to be quite experienced. They're going to have 30 caps under their belt by the time that the World Cup uh, comes around. Quite right, and we'll um, we'll move on now. Transition into um, some some another big news story uh, this week in Australian rugby and Dave Vessels. Um, it's uh, likely to get some some news on this very shortly, but he has been heavily linked. It's fair to say with the the, the former force coach, of course, uh, with the job over in Munster, um, where Russi Erasmus, the the great South African ex flanker turned coach, he's signing off there. Um, to to rejoin the Springboks fold, and he's basically recommended that Dave Vessels, um, who we worked with at the Stormers, um, take over at Munster, who's a, a pretty powerful, cashed up uh, club over there in Ireland. And yeah, there's reports in Ireland that uh, it's it's a done deal, basically, that that Vessels will sign on um, with Munster, and this has got huge repercussions for Australian rugby, both with the Rebels, who who thought they had their man, thought that he would be coming to to head up uh, their program with Tony McGahn moving on. Um, and for the ARU, who, who, you know, Vessels is a rising star um, of the game in this country, the, the former South African. So this could have huge repercussions because, of course, there's all these four stars, Adam Coleman, Dana Hallett-Petty, who are also sorting out their futures, and um, they're, they're very loyal to Vessels, and there's there's a bit of fear factor now that if he does go there, um, some of these star players could, could go with him, and, and that'd be an absolute uh, nightmare for Australian rugby if that happened. Yeah, it would be. You know, like the, the, probably the biggest name out of out of that bunch that could potentially leave Adam Coleman, who was asked about it earlier in the week and said, look, at this stage, he's just, you know, uh, ho- hoping, you know, to get his future settled 
soon, but uh, you know the Springboks this weekend's you know the forefront of his attention at the moment, his mind. Yep. Uh, you know, I see it in a couple of ways. Uh, if Vessels leaves, I think it's a good opportunity for him to grow his coaching. We, we've seen a lot of Australian coaches, you know, look at the Stephen Larkins, you look at the Nick, or to an extent, Nick Styles. these sorts of guys that haven't perhaps had as much coaching overseas in different setups, um, different organisations. And I think that uh, you look at Michael Checker and he, before he arrived at the Tars look, and, and the Wallabies, Coached in France, coached in Ireland, had success over there. I think it's a good opportunity. He's a he's only what thirty three, thirty four. Yeah. He's a young guy to 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 build on his his coaching work. Um, but you know, if if he was to leave, then you're right. He could take a bunch of these guys. If Adam Coleman was to leave, though, and you know, there's two years left before the World Cup, he hasn't played at the World Cup. Why the heck would you leave? I know that you know money is a, a big thing for for players. Uh, you never know when an injury is going to come round. But surely, if you're a Wallaby and you, your dream is always to play at the World Cup, and you know he hasn't done that, and there's a whole bunch of them who haven't done that. So yeah, oh, yeah, it's crazy. I think I think it's crazy that Sean McMahon's left, and you know yeah. his manager's. Uh, Pretty much every every his manager just continually you know sells off his players to the highest bidder overseas, and it's a shame that that happens because McMahon, what he was a fringe player at the last World Cup, had a great opportunity I think to stick around to 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 build in this Wallabies team and to create a real name for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these players may potentially be using the situation as leverage to get you know better deals with with the AU, of course. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you can't underestimate uh, the loyalty those guys you know had to the the force and, and vessels as well. Um, they obviously love playing for them, so it's a it's a very interesting situation which, uh, as Touchpoint, can have huge repercussions. I think uh, you. you reached out to Dave last night and he said he, he was hoping to no, nothing officially done and dusted but it's obviously all but and uh, yeah, he hopes to yeah, he said to, to make a call in the next next day or two so um, watch the space it's a it's a very big story in Australian rugby yeah certainly is certainly cool and we'll uh, touch on the of course the other rugby championship game this weekend the All Blacks and the Pumas over in Buenos Aires it's uh, this one's under a very good time for uh, Australian viewers nine nine thirty I think it is uh, Sydney time so you can you can wake up after after the late night of, of Bloemfontein action and and, and go coffee. and go again with your morning coffee exactly so um, also an interesting you know backdrop to this game with the All Blacks choosing to rest a number of their key players uh, most notably the the locking duo um, Brody Retallick Sam Whitelock they're sitting out uh, the last time that happened that they Ireland. lost lost Ireland in Chicago so yeah. it's a big call from Steve Hansen um, the other guys missing um, just trying to recall originally Bowden Barrett was was uh, left out but Lima Sopawang has had a his first baby so Bowden's been been called back into the fold Sam Kane um, he's also been left at home to to stay fresh for the South African League. Uh, Ryan Crotty also being rested, and am I missing one? Could be. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, old, old news. Quite close enough, anyway. So, the, yeah, the the locks is going to be the the big area that the the Argentinians might uh, fancy their chances. But of course, the All Blacks do have the luxury of that that great depth. Um, and, and I guess this will keep them on their toes a little bit, knowing that they're not at full strength. Uh, the other guys will have to lift. So, yeah, what, what are you looking for in this game, and how, how do you think it might go? Well, it was only, what, three weeks ago that Argentina was leading after 50 minutes against the All Blacks. So they certainly will know that this is a game that's going to be tough, always tough over in Argentina as well. Um, uh, 
Yeah, it's you look at Argentina and they've only had what one win all year against Georgia. It's uh, quite a staggering statistic. A semi-final lost only two years ago. So at the at the World Cup, <clears throat> I think you know Argentina. If their their biggest difficulties and problems have been through you know ill discipline, but just not being able to play for eighty minutes. They they seem to switch off uh, at at stages throughout the game, and you can't do that against the All Blacks. And and we saw. You know they they were uh, in uh, in New Zealand a couple of weeks ago when they when they were leading they you know Bowden Barrett goes to the sin bin and switch off Bay Fafita storms down the left hand touchline and, and scores a try and from that point in time Argentina looked shell shocked they they haven't beaten the All Blacks they didn't quite know what to do so yeah I think I think we'll probably see the All Blacks win again but um, you know the Argentina's got some fine players in the, in their team and and, and no. Better, I don't think, than than Creevy, their captain. Yeah. yeah, it's the same old story, isn't it? Um, teams can go with the All Blacks for good chunks of the game, but it's just that it's only a ten-minute patch sometimes, isn't it? The All Blacks will score three tries and, and game over. So, yeah, looking forward to to seeing Fafita. I think he'll get another run um, over there, potentially a, a starting role as well. And it's um, not just those players that you, that are being left behind. You look at the All Blacks as well. They've had a couple of injuries, particularly in, in the front row. So yep. it's quite a different side, which is makes for an exciting uh, for viewing, I think. Yeah, Israel Dag out for the, the season as well. And yeah, Argentina, like, like you said, never beaten the All Blacks. And so they every every time they go out there, it's a chance to make history and, and become national heroes if they were able to do it. And, you know, the All Blacks, they realise they're going to, as they have with Ireland, they realise they're going to lose to them one day, but they're, they're, they're pretty determined that it's not, uh, you know, their, their name on the jersey when, when that does happen. So, yeah, another another interesting game. Of course, the All Blacks can wrap up the title um, by, by winning this game, which that was the bit that I was a bit surprised by. I thought they might send a, a full-strength team over there to get the job done, wrap up the championship and then you know the last game against South Africa maybe then rest some players uh, but you've got to remember mate the, the, the South Africans are their, their greatest you know modern rivalry now exactly so I guess that's what they've um, how they've viewed it so yeah look I think we'll see plenty of points again over there as well but both teams like to use the ball so another good weekend in store certainly is I suppose the the other you know Interesting thing at the moment is the the bidding process at the moment for the 2023 World Cup. You know, three contenders, three candidates, South Africa, France, Ireland. Just quickly, who would you like the uh, 2023 World Cup to go to? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Ireland. Um, never had it before. Uh, it's quite a small country to host a whole World Cup um, by themselves, I guess, similar to New Zealand, but they're more rugby mad it's fair to say but yeah Ireland also pretty keen on their, their rugby and they've got uh, the thing I like about it is they've got support right from the top from the their Prime Minister rocked up to um, to the presentations in London and they've got a very organised uh, cohesive bid I think they've got uh, you know maybe not the the amount and size of stadia that uh, some other countries do, but I, I think they've got enough um, enough there to, to make some money for world rugby. And yeah, look, uh, I mean, clearly everyone lo- loves the Irish. You've got a bit of uh, Irish in you, in you Christy, and, and I think they just put on a, a one hell of a party over the, the couple of months or whatever it is. So South Africa, I, I get the feeling they may be the favourites just because it's very political in terms of rotating north-south hemisphere um, and, and it'll be the, the southern hemisphere's turn by that point. Um, 
And then the third candidate, France, who I think financially that they'd make the most money for world rugby, and they've already kind of thrown up, I don't know if you can call it a bribe, but they've basically said we're going to um, throw an extra $50 million to world rugby on top of the, the minimum amount um, and, 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 you know, basically throw a whole heap of cash at them. But, uh, yeah, I also didn't really like what they did with their, their bid getting... Uh, Jonah Lomu's kids over there that was a bit mm. a bit odd and they also didn't uh, they don't seem to have the the full government support either um, they, they, they didn't have the highest uh, level of representation there so yeah I'm all about Ireland and uh, I think you're you're on the uh, on the same wavelength yeah I am I just want to you know they only held the World Cup in 2007 like I think that has to really come into consideration doesn't it yeah it was a joint uh, thing but they were the, the primary Host, I believe, yeah. So, yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I think certainly the, for, for that reason alone, I think Ireland deserve a crack. It's been a while since South Africa held it themselves. What ninety five was, was the last time, and uh, what an amazing World Cup it was, I suppose, with the yeah. with the final Nelson Mandela and, and, and so forth. Um, I think you know it's we've seen with the football, the soccer World Cup, you know that money, you know, is is such a huge factor for for why you know. World Cups go where they do. Hopefully, uh, they don't go there for financial reasons. Well said, mates. And uh, I reckon that probably covers us. Been yabbering away for about half an hour. So, yeah, look, uh, big weekend in store. Of course, the NRC, uh, we'll briefly touch upon, uh, rumbling along nicely. Fijian and Drew are just running roughshod over this competition. I, w- I wonder if the. Um yeah, you and the organisers are having kind of mixed feelings. Like, on one hand, they're playing great footy and, you know, providing a reason for people to, to tune in to, to see the local guys come up against them. But, I don't know, is it going to be a good thing for Australian rugby if, if they end up thrashing the, the Aussie teams every week? Uh, oh, what, you, what are your feelings? Them, right? it's, you There's know, been some pretty big wins the last couple of well, weeks. Well, a couple at home, but let's not forget that it's bloody hot there, that they're sweating. Uh, as Nick Cummins would say, sweating like a, what is it, a gypsy with a mortgage. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's been nothing but a success having the Fiji join the competition. And, uh, look, for for Super Rugby for for 2020 when the end of the broadcast rights still, World Rugby has to be looking at this and Sansa has to be looking at this and going, wow, how good is Fiji going? They're getting good crowds that are showing up and uh, oh, I think it's yeah been nothing but a success so far and you know they could very much uh, host host the final and if they do host this year's final then they they could probably win the thing in the which is in the, in the first year which is a it's a great thing for. Uh, you often see new teams come into competitions and struggle, and to have one come in and, and you know, really yeah. look like they're having a lot of fun and play well, it's it's great. Yeah, and you mentioned the weather up there. They're, they're going to get the other side of the coin uh, Friday night down in Canberra. The Vikings get uh, the chance to take on the Endura. So, yeah, that might be uh, quite the leveller, I think, the, the the conditions down there. Frosty. Frosty. I think the other the other matchup I'm looking forward to seeing is, is Queensland Country this week. You've seen them... Have a couple of wins, first time in their history, back-to-back wins, and uh, start like they've got a lot of good young talent in that in that squad coming through. Brad Thorne, of course, the coach. When we're going to find out about the Queensland Roach, uh, Reds coaching structure for for next year? I think watch this space too in the next week or two that we might find some more clarity there. And uh, what's happening in the rugby world? Certainly is. So um, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll do it all again next week to review uh, yeah everything in the, the wild world of rugby thanks for tuning in